Who is it? Hoya majokta. Hoya matalo. She went shopping. Hoya marketi mado. Haba habiba kuti mitkude. Okay, haba. Yo, walk on. Assalamu alaikum. Damanti nukusodawada and welcome to Hoya Matala podcast. I'm Lee, short for Liban. I'm Sam, short for Samata. And yeah, we're back for another episode. Yes, back for another episode. A special and episode. Yes. Well, every episode is a special. Episode, of course, right? of course, of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. So today we've got two guests rather than one. I think this is the first time we've actually had two guests coming on rather than one. And we've got a former Oxford University student. <coughs> sorry. Um, that done an episode for us previously, going by the name of Ikra. And today we also got Adam joining us, um, current student at Oxford University. So we're gonna hopefully have them introduce themselves. So for those watching on YouTube, uh, obviously you can only see three of us here. Um, Ikra is behind the mic, so yeah. uh, behind the camera, I mean. So yeah. So we have that. So we're gonna introduce ourselves. So Ikra, you wanna do the? Yeah. So yeah? It's, it's good to be back. I like to keep myself anonymous. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll be staying behind the camera today, but um, it's good to be back on here. Um, and I'm actually here with with a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, who. Uh, is also Smiley and uh, a very impressive member of our community. Um, his name is Adam. We actually went to university together, but uh, he sort of started in Brixton. He were, he worked really hard and did very well and got into a really good um, private school called Eton that, um, you know, is, is produced a lot of former prime ministers. Um, 20 to be, uh, yeah. To, to be exact, <laughs> now that we're being exact. Yeah, um, from that. Yeah. Um, and from there, he was able to do some really incredible things. And he went on to then study at Oxford, which is where we were lucky enough to meet. Um, and then now as a student in Oxford, he's also done some really cool things. Um, and he is one, a former president of the Oxford Union, which is a private debating chamber that you can talk about a little bit more so that is that is my very good friend Adam um, and I think to, to start with we can just start with maybe Adam talking about himself a bit about what he's doing now um, and that sort of thing yeah um, thank you so much everyone for having me um, it's been great to meet you both and to see you again um, Ikra um, so currently I study I study history and politics um, at, at Oxford I'm in my second year um, really enjoying it. Um, like Ikra said, um, I live in, in South London, um, grew up in the Netherlands, but moved to South London when I was about five, six years old. Um, like many Somali people um, in London, I suppose, currently, between there, Sweden and Finland. Um, and Denmark. And Denmark, yeah. Denmark, And yeah, and it's great to be here today with you guys. So thank you so much for having me. No, it's actually... We, we got plugged in by Ikra, literally. We had like a list of, of potential guests we had and we actually had your name on there. Because um, for the viewers anyways, that are able to see you anyways, is um, the way I first came across it was literally on an ITV uh, interview. And I was like, Marshall, we've got a kid going to like Eton. Literally, this is uh, it's such a big thing. Because um, I think I've, I've come across Eton, the actual name Eton beforehand, like a couple of years before that. And I was like, okay, you know, forget about that. That's that's for particular people with a particular background or t depending on the income and whatnot. So I was like the only person from like London that got a scholarship going there kind of thing. That that's like a huge thing. And at the same time, um, you've been celebrated too, um, um at the ISA Award. Mm -hmm. 
um, too, and you know, rightfully so, because um, getting into those kind of places is is a big big thing. So no, we're really glad to have you on today. So I really appreciate that. I know I know you're a bit incognito, especially. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like I, I said, no, I really appreciate that. By the way, no, no, no. So I like to keep myself to myself, but yeah. um, but it's great. Um, everything you've been doing with with the podcast and and the YouTube as well. So, would you um like c- could you go into like um like the process of you know applying for this and winning a scholarship? Yeah, no, of course. Um, so it's so the the age that people apply is when they're about fifteen, sixteen years old. The deadline's normally around December of year eleven, as soon as you start year eleven, and it's a sixth form scholarship, which is what I got um, and was really lucky enough to get. Um, it's an academic one, um, and you, in the first instance, you apply with a personal statement um, and a reference from your head teacher at your school, as well as a list of the subjects that you'd want to study and your predicted GCSE grades as well. The, the school Eton then reviews um, all of the, the initial applications and then chooses um, a list of about maybe 30 people to, to invite to come to Eton for the interviews themselves and for assessments. Um, I was lucky enough to be shortlisted, then was invited to to spend a few days away from my secondary school, um, uh, then Arkworth Academy, um, and go to go to Eton. I was really happy about that at the time because it meant at the very least, even if I don't get in, I get a week off of school. Mm. Um, and yeah, and that, that's that's kind of like how it started. There were two tests that I'd ha- I had to do. One was um a sort of like writing assessment um just basically asking me to like take a a a sort of philosophical question like the question I think was something along the lines of um is am is like um is Amazon and like consumer consumerist culture something that's good for like the future and good for us generally as 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 the the human population is that something that's a good thing you had to like take an argument and like run with it and try and try and support it. And then the other test was um, a sort of like IQ test, which um, funny story about that. I got re- I got sort of like really really nervous about the IQ test because I was like never done one of these before, didn't have like any clue yeah. what was going on. It's like one of those like full of questions like if this flag moves anti clockwise and then 180 degrees this way, which one of these four picture flags it, does it then become? Um, and that really confused me. So I sort of like spent a long time thinking hard about each question. And I thought that that test itself was an hour long in total. Um, turns out it was half an hour long. Um, and I, I'd like, there were like 60 questions. I'm, I was sat like right at the back. I thought each question was like a bit like, I thought like, oh, a minute per question, that sounds reasonable. I was spending a minute on each question. End up on like question 35. It's like 27, 28 minutes in. I think I'm doing really well. Um, and then the guy at the front shouts, two minutes left. Um, and then I'm like, well, a bit of a sticky one. Um, what, do, what do I do now? So then I just like B, D, A, blah, blah, blah. Like just put random like letters in. And as I'm handing my paper over, I realise that the like last five, 10 questions just like it it changes from like letters and like multiple choice letters to like how many times does this flag like rotate and I thought to myself they're gonna think I'm an absolute idiot because I put d in a box that's asking you how many times and they're expecting like three or four or whatever so there's no way that I'm getting in so then I just became really really relaxed for the for the days coming ahead where I had all the interviews and because I was so like I'm definitely not getting in I think that kind of attitude like helped me to just be my best self yeah. in the interviews um, and to make the most of it. So I had um, interviews with 
the head teacher and all of the heads of the department of the subjects that, that I applied to study um, and then subsequently got an offer. And then when <laughs> was it like, uh, was a scholarship something you had an eye on like prior or was it something like, you know, like your teachers pushed you towards? That's a yeah, really interesting question. Um, the way that I found out about Eton at first was through a CBBC like documentary. I was like playing football with my friends, came home like 5, 5.30, whatever. Um, and it was after school. Um, yeah, obviously. Um, and CBBC was just on and there, it was um, part of this like series that CBBC were doing at the time. Um, and the title of this particular program was The World's Most Famous School. Um, and it was just a documentary about um, three boys, three or four boys who went to Eton on four scholarships from the start because it starts from year nine and it ends in year 13. Um, but some people, very few people join in at the start of year 12. Um, and I saw this like documentary thing and I was like, this school looks awesome. Um, and I was then in year nine. So then I like Googled it, saw that I'd like, if I was going to apply, I would have needed to like, in theory, be one of the boys in the documentary and have like applied like a whole year yeah. ago because um, they were like my age exactly, which I think is part of the reason why I found it so like relatable. Um, so I, it was too late for me to apply. So I just forgot about it entirely, put it to the back of my mind, didn't think about it again until um, my year 10, the summer holidays, just before I went into year 11. So my year 10 summer holidays. Um, and I was thinking about where I was going to go for sick form like after year 11 and post UCSEs. And I, it was on like results day that I saw because I like basically got got really into like reading newspapers um, and like picking up the evening standard and stuff like that from the tube station that I'd always go past on my way back home um, from school. And the, it was like results day. I, I must have been playing football or something again in August and pick up one of these papers and I see like this headline that comes out. Now I've realised every single A-level results day where they talk about where people are going to university and stuff like that. And the headline being like 10 private schools sending more people to Oxbridge than like 10,000 schools across the country combined or something along those lines. Um, and I saw one of the schools was like Eton that sends like a lot of people to Oxbridge. And that's always been like a bit of a dream kind of thing. Um, going to Oxford or Cambridge. Um, and... Yeah, and then I was like, well, let me look into Eton again, see if they do anything for sick form. Saw that they did. And then I was like, you know what, I'll give give it a shot. And I had one particular teacher, an English teacher, who like supported me a lot through it. Um, who was, yeah, really nice guy. Um, and helped me a lot with like drafting my personal statement when I applied initially. But yeah, that's how always I... Always an English teacher. Always, <laughs> always an English that's teacher. Going the extra mile. So like, what were sort of some of the things like you found were particularly different from the school you went to so like what kind of school because uh, you obviously went to a state school before mm -hmm. in South London what are the main differences that you found when you first started Eton that like surprised you um that's a good question um I think part one of the things that I struggled with the most at the start was the boarding aspect of it um and the fact that I had to like live away from home yeah. um and I wasn't with like my home comforts my like game console my younger brothers who I'd annoy or my older sister, who I'd also probably annoy, um, and, like, family time and, like, spending time with family um, and family food and everything else um, was just... It was just, like, a, an entirely different environment, living with people that I didn't really know, um, and it was, like, sort of a bit alien, and I think that's what I sort of struggled with the most. But something that I really appreciated that made things easier was the fact that the particular house that I was in was just such a really, like, welcoming environment... And like the boys that were in my year, I was the 
11th boy to be in that year. There were like 10 of them before, but they'd all known each other for three years before. And I think like when you live with a group of people for like three years, you get to know them really well, right? Yeah. And you get to pick up on people's mannerisms and they'd all like yeah. got to know each other so much. But also there does reach a point where you might start to become like sick and tired of like the same sameness of of everything so i think they were all really keen to get to know somebody new and yeah, like yeah. have somebody new sort of join the mix so then i i sort of as a result of that got to know them really well got to know people in other houses um got involved in societies at, at eton as well and like was really l lucky enough to end up being the head of the political society there where we managed to get some really interesting speakers to come as well from politicians to former uk prime ministers to like academics and and really sort of people at the forefront of politics in in the uk and like across the world as well which is what was it like um opportunity. who is who is who is adam basically at a state school was you was you that type of person that was always in the library kind of thing or was you more like um did you did you get any support from your family in terms of they must have known of course you use great at school getting these great grades like did you have like a support bubble kind of thing? Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, like from a young age, like growing up, it was always the case that like, I, I feel like there's a bit of a thing in like lots of Somali communities as well, especially in the UK. Like even if your mum and dad don't have very much, they'll spend what little that they do have mm. on sending their kids to tuition. And you end up spending weekends upon weekends going from Duxi to tuition um, and everything else. Um, and that's exactly what my parents tried to do for me which meant that I got really interested in school and like in reading and stuff like that. I enjoyed like sports, like a, a lot of what I was talking about before, <laughs> a lot of important <laughs> things in my life have yeah. happened after coming back from uh, playing football, football yeah, with my friends yeah, yeah. Um, and kind of still do as well, I suppose. But um, and yeah, and, and I think I, I enjoyed school um, was probably a bit of a chatterbox growing up, I think. Yeah. Like when I was younger, but earlier on, I was um, when I was at home, I was with with my cousin and her her son um and she was asking my mum what we were like we were all like when we were growing up um, and my mum was like talking about how um I was the one who literally like she could leave me in like the like daycare place or whatever like in nursery and I'd be fine I wouldn't cry I'd literally make friends with anyone and everyone and I'd just be like an absolute chatterbox um and as we were just like going down the street sometimes just chat to random strangers she said she was i was like one of the kids who one of her kids because uh, she's, she's got four kids um i like started speaking the earliest basically um and i don't think i've ever stopped since then um i think yeah. that's one thing adam won't give himself enough credit for but it's probably his biggest sort of like asset or thing that i noticed as well at uni is that put him in a room with anyone or yeah. and everyone and everyone loves Adam <laughs> because he's say, genuinely yeah, you know, he's you know a nice to your yeah. environment literally yeah. you can be thrown in any place that is right in, and then yeah man, you know you know like to adapt yourself in a certain way kind of thing in I a mean? way that's like, very genuine yeah and if, not, yeah general not, it's not yeah. forced kind of yeah, thing exactly. do you know what I mean and and in a way that you enjoy the company of exactly, everyone yeah. you meet um which I think is is one of the things that makes you so personable and like do you think that was do you think that was what made Eton sort of a bit easier? Maybe, maybe it wasn't easier for you as opposed to maybe like, you know, the experience of some of the other scholarship children. Mm. Um, and also, like, do you think there were any like big misconceptions about going to somewhere like Eton, like whether they're positive or negative, that you'd be like, cool. this was yeah. different to what I thought? Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll take the first part of that first. It's sort of, sorry, remind me. 
Um, do, you, do you think that you maybe found eating a bit yeah. easier because you were so good at being able to yeah. adapt? I think I think part of it was that because um, if I wasn't if I if I like kind of went in there with the mindset of everything that I do and everything that I enjoy doing is the only thing that I can possibly enjoy and like went in with the sort of more close-minded attitude then that just wouldn't have helped me and I think it's like because I don't know for quite a long time now I've always had the attitude of like obviously I find I like myself and like if you don't like yourself there's probably a, like a problem there but that's a good mindset yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not just not just <laughs> not good mindset to have that's a good but, mindset. but 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 it's the fact that like I know about myself yeah. like I know about my life I know what I've done and I know what I hope to do maybe but I don't know the answers to those questions for other people and I find that so much more interesting yeah. rather than like I don't know it's a bit of a I haven't done something like this in maybe forever stroke a very long time mm. but I think that's because i I much prefer being on the other side, like asking the questions, getting to rather know someone, than rather being than on the receiving end, definitely. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I know about myself, yeah. but then, and I, yeah, and I just find it much more interesting to like get to know about other people. Because um, you, you, it's the, it's the kind of like you never know attitude. You never know mm. the person you might meet, like through a certain conversation or connections that could be made between like you know this person and they know this person, and then all of a sudden it's like whoa like worlds colliding and then it's just like really interesting and you learn so much through that as well um and i think that's something that's really important for personal development and personal growth as well um Mm. and then in terms of the second part of your question of like misconceptions good or bad like have eaten um something that i've always found really interesting is so when when i like started at uni like people didn't really know like at first that I'd like gone to eat and like in within like my college setting like a lot of people who I'd like in my then year group and stuff and as the weeks went on I it, it, like it wasn't something that was like Im- important it's like it's not like you start a conversation with someone no, you walk up to them and you're like yeah, I'm, I'm Adam not, I, yeah. I went to eat and it's great to meet you it's yeah. not like a, a kind yeah. of conversation start <laughs> exactly but as time goes on people sort of find out because you're um like it just comes up. It just comes up exactly like you exactly you bump into somebody on the high street or whatever um, at uni, and then you're with a friend, and then they ask you how you know each other, and they're like from school, and they're like, oh, but I thought you live in South London, and (laughs) this person doesn't look like they live in South London. (laughs) Yeah, Um, and then and then you then explain, and then it's like the amount of times that I got the sort of oh, I never expected that, or like it's like a look of surprise or whatever else, and I think often like if if knowing that somebody went to Eton is like the first thing that you find out I've realized that people often have one of two two like the the two most interesting reactions are like either they like love you immediately as a result of it and they sort of immediately sort of like you you kind of see the dollar signs in their eyes or like they they kind of just think oh this this guy's going <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. this guy's going places or like whatever else and yeah. they they like the idea of you rather than you than you definitely but then i think the second thing is um like a circumstance in which they just immediately don't like anything that you the stand for they hate the idea of you without knowing you and it it, mm. it just creates a bit of a barrier in some ways it's it's not quite misconceptions but i think like it kind of answers the question because it can act like it's it's one of the most amazing things that anyone can have like education right yeah definitely and i think that's it's a commodity that like you can't it's something that you can't like i mean you you can kind of put a price on it but like you can't quite put a price exactly it's invaluable um and i think 
like there are misconceptions and and and, and stuff but I, I much prefer people to get to know me for me rather than the things that I've done obviously like that makes up a part of me but there's somebody behind it if you I think yeah there's definitely on the receiving yeah. end there's definitely often a bit of a negative perception in terms of because people project what they think the they average think, eaten person yeah. is which is wealthy and white mm. and from a very you know like a specific background yeah. and i almost think part of adam's redeemingness for that is people knew you were on scholarship yeah so i think that also <laughs> impacts yeah. the way that like people see you because then they're a lot more like impressed by it mm. um but you know it's, it's definitely interesting to sort of hear it from from their perspective like from from a someone from Eastern's perspective in terms of how it per- people perceive them differently, I guess, yeah. because of it. Yeah. Something do, do, yeah, precious, yeah. do precious come with that? Like the fact that people know that you're there like through a scholarship, like do they expect for you to, you know, like be the, you know, like the most, the smartest person there or something like that? Um, something, something that was, okay, so I, it's a bit specific and a bit personal, but I don't mind showing it. Um, like in the at Eton, there's this thing called um like they called like trials, but they're basically exams that you take at the end of each term. But it's only at the end of the first term and at the end of the third term. So end of year and end of first term exams. Um, and everybody in each subject is it's quite it's a bit brutal, but it's less brutal than how it used to be way back when. Um, everybody you get given a piece of paper, um, and you know the mark that you got in the paper. Um, and the subject and stuff and you also um, know exactly where you were in everybody who did the paper so they'll tell you like if if 56 people sat the paper it will tell you you were 23 23rd out of 56 or whatever and they put a box plot as well like, on there just to show you where the where the average was mm. and, and everything um, and at, like in in terms of like expectations, th- there weren't like formal expectations of like yeah. you have to be top of the year group or whatever else or this that and the other. But like any school that produces like great results, there's just this culture of everybody striving to like top the year in, in a particular subject or whatever else or get a trials prize for a particular subject. And in the same like exam series, I so the subjects I did were English, literature, um, Spanish history and yeah um, and politics as well um and I love Spanish it was one of the subjects I enjoyed the most unfortunately it was my worst subject at least relative to other people in the year Mm. when I got given that piece of paper and it told me 56 out of 56 and I was it was the first piece of paper that I got and I got a bit confused because I was like does this mean that I got 56 (laughs) marks out of 56 but um it it became clear that that wasn't the marks it was the position (laughs) that I came in in the year but Luckily, in that same like exam series, like on that same piece of paper, it had like one out of one hundred and twenty-four or something, something along those lines in politics because I like came top of the year in in politics, and I was really happy about that. Um, so you're good at some things and you're not good at other things, yeah. and things start to balance out. Um, obviously, I didn't carry on with Spanish to my to, to year thirteen, but that's because because I, um, I really enjoyed politics and history and English. Um, but there are expectations, but it's I feel like part of it is how much you put onto yourself because it's different, right? I feel like th- it's a different kind of expectation when you know that there is this sort of faceless anonymous like donor who you'll probably never meet. 
because um, of confidentiality or whatever yeah. else, who's paying for your school fees versus your parents who you go home yeah, to a holiday. Exactly. You're held accountable exactly. for whatever you've done kind of thing. Exactly. Which is different. But at the same time, what I was going to say to you is uh, because you got to... E- you got you got to Eton at um, year twelve, right? It was mm-hmm. Year twelve that you got there. Did you not feel like you came from a state school that you're playing a bit of a catch up? Mm-hmm. Because they already, well, they know the system and everything. They already got this um, great education already before you. Not saying, of course, that the school that you was at didn't give you a great education that, um, and that you didn't achieve those grades. But at the same time, did you feel like? that there was still a level there that you still had to reach before you got there kind of Because it's thing. not just the education yeah. with Eton, like because it is boarding as well. There are there's a lot, a lot of, of other rules. aspects to it. Yeah, 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 yeah there's exactly. a lot of different extracurriculars and I know like yeah. the schools like that, you know, they really encourage loads of different yeah. types of sports and instruments and people are incredibly talented uh, outside of just academics, yeah. Yeah. which is one thing that shocked me. Like, for example, me. something like, I don't know if they've done that, by the way, but something like rowing, for example. Yeah. Like a, ro- a rowing... Um, team or whatever club kind of thing this is not something that's ex- that we've got access to mm-hmm. especially someone like yourself that's from an inner city school that these are not the on normal. the uh, exactly yeah. the only thing the closest thing maybe that you get to is maybe rugby mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah. i don't know you, yeah you're literally. great at rugby. <laughs> <laughs> so it's something like rugby that's, that's probably, <laughs> so it's probably like rugby that's what yeah. i say so these because i remember you mentioned in, in the um, the ITV fencing in it, like I'm sure like, I had uh, fencing yeah. or something like that. <laughs> fencing so, or something else, but I can't fencing to fencing. Yeah. To I think I think they might have uh, even in our school. Also, I think they gave it. They literally uh, gave us like a little taster. They brought the equipment, uh, and we've done it. Yeah, yeah, literally. Ooh. And then I think it was like a one-off or something like. And then after we never seen it again, kind of <laughs> thing. So yeah. it's probably it a good been, thing. It must have <laughs> been different at Eton, so you had to literally. Yeah get these kind of um yeah what was it like did you have access to things that you never had access to yeah like a hundred percent so on the rowing front um in all honesty i've never seen the appeal of rowing it's early (laughs) mornings um it's cold you could drown um it's not really for me but um (laughs) there was this there was this whole thing that got created like i think a few years maybe before i joined um called queen's eight which is um i think they used it for like olympic rowing and like olympic competitions as well um way back when and it's like one of the most state of the art, like rowing, it, like it's called an eight E Y O T, but it's basically like a mini island, um, and it's got like just a body of water around it, and then like a like a long straight, I think that people can just row down. Mm. So it's really good for competition. So like Olympic rowers and stuff will come and use it. Um, there's a guy who like won numerous like gold medals in rowing and like competitions and stuff. He went to Eton as well. He has like a big portrait of him there um and um and yeah it was, it was stuff like that, that i just found mind-blowing like it didn't necessarily make me want to do all of it um like i've just said but um that i managed to just sort of throw myself into debating a bit more which i'd done before mm. um there were like weird school games like the field game and the wall game that like aren't played anywhere else like at all and it's an eaten those two games are like eaten specific things and like only people who went to Eton know the rules for like those particular games. Field games kind of a bit bit of a cross between rugby and football, where you have like rucks, like with rugby, where the sort of two teams are linked together. But the only people who can like touch the ball with their hands are the like the two longs, which are like the goalkeepers in a way. Mm. Um and you're not allowed to like run in front of certain players and it's sort of like quite complicated um i don't think i entirely understood the rules for that um (laughs) 
but it involves a lot of running, literally like running up and down and up and down, and you have to switch at the right moment and, and stuff. So that was like always kind of interesting. Um, but it's like lo- lots of stuff like that that I just found quite eye opening. Um, and it was kind of like a whole different world and like a whole different mm. space that. I don't know. You you were just like spoiled for choice. There was fencing as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Did you feel I'm like surprising. you got to the place where um, because because from what I'm taking so far, right, is that you're you're a real really um, a curious person mm. because something like you picked up a newspaper and you just read something and then you picked something out kind of thing and like um, your mom knowing that if she put you in any room, for example, that you're able to adapt. So. It's just you being really curious about finding out about different people. Yeah. They, that that going to somewhere like eating for eating for example, you it wasn't something that someone would be like, oh, he's not he's not really gonna adapt to our but it's just you being really curious at the same time. Yeah. So you you're there for terms, right? I'm assuming, and there's a, there must be a period where you get to go home, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so what was it like going back home after mm. your first term, for example? Mm. You're going back to Brixton, yeah. and then you're seeing probably the high street and everything else. Like, yeah. what was it like? You're going from one world to another yeah. world, kind of thing. Something that I'll never forget. Often, so like the first time I went back. So the way in which it works is that terms would be like I think something like maybe twelve weeks long, um, and you'd have like half time break, like six weeks in, and every three weeks you'd get to go home for like this thing called short leave, um, which is just for the like an extended weekend. So like Friday through to like Sunday night or Monday morning or something. Um, and the first time like going back after after three weeks there, I just like jumped on the train and went back to London because it was only an hour on the train and it was like quite convenient. And I remember, and I know like this, I got this feeling every single time I would like get the train um, back from, from Eton, it, it, the train would drop me off at Vauxhall and then at Vauxhall, I'd get on the tube um, to Brixton and as I'm like coming up the escalator and I just see like the sort of massive mural and I just see like just the demographics of the people like and it's quite a long escalator I don't know if you guys have been to Brixton station yeah, before yeah, there's a lot of time day, to think yeah. if you're not walking up the escalator <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I just like feel the cold air just mm. like rushing down see like so many more like black people people yeah. with like diverse backgrounds hear the guy playing still pans at the top Um, (laughs) smell the incense that the guy was like selling literally a few stores down um, on the main street as well next door to the Iceland and like it just felt like home but it didn't feel like being at Eton and then coming here was like a betrayal it was like a kind of expanding my horizons and being happy that Mm. I was able to sort of live in 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 both spaces at the same time but still be myself yeah, and not time, lose my sense of self of exactly what's the reaction like from the smaller community when you got into eating because you know I'm, I'm i'm i must not be the only person that's literally caught you on itv like, there must be <laughs> loads of people that said it's actually how yeah. how i met adam was <laughs> yeah. reading an article when literally. he won the, so, the international yeah. smiley award um and it was it was years later when someone yeah. mentioned his name i was like i think i i think i have a recollection I think <laughs> so I you saw well. him what on the I did. So what did you say? So I years like when I was younger had read an article about when he'd gotten the scholarship to Eton. Yeah. And years later at university was told that a Somali boy was joining the college where I lived basically. So I 
and someone had mentioned his name um and i i was like i recognize this name i recognize this was like one in the morning in my bedroom i was like googling <laughs> name, like trying to find him and i was like i've spoken to this boy before like i i know not sorry yeah. I've, I've seen his article before like i've read his story before and my friends all thought i was crazy because i was like i'm gonna message him i'm gonna message him he's somali it's fine <laughs> um and i literally i had a i had a mutual friend of ours actually be like that's really weird and i was like no like we're both somali it's not weird and it was really weird to explain to them because they didn't they didn't understand that but like i knew that another somali getting a message from a fellow somali saying hi by the way i'm somali if you need anything let me know wouldn't be weird like that somali no more wouldn't that be weird yeah, yeah. but it's more, this it's more white boy yeah, was looking at me yeah. like i was crazy <laughs> he was like this yeah, is harassment yeah, yeah. you can't just <laughs> message him and i was like of course <laughs> i can like of course like no one's gonna and and you know that's that's actually how we met yeah. so like yeah how did the somali community and did you feel pressure actually from externally of the somali community to have to like a bit, I suppose, and and I think it's in part why I sort of like haven't done very many front-facing things <laughs> or, or whatever since, yeah. um, and have focused more so on mm. like just sort of trying to keep my head down and and, and do me in a way. Um, I, I think I think the Somali community is like really proud because like with everyone, like if you see someone Somali doing well, yeah. you're you're proud of them. You want them to like succeed. It's like I feel like it's something that's like. I, I want to say unique but it's it's not unique but the way in which like Somali people do it is to a, a whole new level um it's just like a different. it's a Dakan thing it's like a cultural yeah, thing yeah it's different um mm. and and I think they were like all, all really pleased about it I had like a few funny calls with my cousins and stuff who were like oh well done but like it's a bit annoying now because my mum's getting on to me about like, <laughs> the fact that I've been playing Xbox yeah. all day um and um but yeah but I, th I think everyone everyone was really proud and like really pleased yeah. with how things had gone. So a moment that I really, really enjoyed was um, being able to like share in that with my mum and dad when I took them to the ISA Awards in 2017, mm. when I was lucky enough to be nominated for the Educational um, Achievement Award. And my parents like sat sat down with me at the table, like literally right at the front next to the stage. Like um, my mum got dressed, my dad like slapped on his suit, and like they were just there's this really cute photo of all of us from from then as well. And just seeing like how proud they were, like literally my parents felt like celebrities. Like everybody was like coming up to them, mm. and they were like, "Oh, are you Mahoy these batai? Oh, mashallah!" Mm. And the amount of habaneers <laughs> that were just swarming my mum. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and um and like the car journey back when we were like going back home and they were just telling me like we're really proud of you like keep it up and like and everything and that that's something that meant a lot to me um and i think like obviously i'm like glad the wider somali community and stuff is is proud but i think yeah. nothing's more precious than that particular moment where i sort of like saw my parents like eyes light up and yeah. all their hard work and all the sacrifices mm. and stuff 100%. that they've made for me sort of seeing them be happy that it had started to come to fruition I was it's, lucky it's enough extra. to actually meet Adam's parents yeah. as well on his yeah. on his moving day, where yeah. they were also very <laughs> very proud. They were very lovely, like very yeah. sweet. Yeah. Um, and just like on that, actually, because obviously you did end up going to Oxford. That's how we met. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like one of the things about going to a school like that, which does do very well, is that everyone is expected to apply to yeah. these institutions, Oxford, mm. Cambridge. Um, and actually, I think you're, it's weird if you don't apply. Mm -hmm. But um, obviously, you don't mind saying that you didn't necessarily course, yeah. get in the first time round. Mm, yeah. Like, what There's was no necessarily it? about yeah. it? I didn't get in the first time <laughs> yeah. round. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah. do you want to tell us a bit about like mm -hmm. 
the, the maybe the pressure or not pressure to actually apply how you found like the first series what you learned from it going into the second application um period and like any advice you would give to anyone applying yeah for sure i think um obviously i'll like preface it with the fact that humanities is quite unique if you're trying to apply for medicine maybe don't listen to everything i'm, <laughs> I'm saying here i do study history um but but i think a big part of like the application process for like many humanity subjects like English and history and stuff is being confident in yourself and having like a good sense of self so much so that you know why you want to study what you want to study but also what studying that looks like at the same time I think like I applied initially and sort of like pushed myself into applying um because I wanted to like I said earlier on it was like a long-standing dream to like go to Oxford um and pushed myself into it really wanted to do it was like sort of pushed on by my teachers went to like weekly Oxbridge classes like basically every other boy in my year um who were all all applying at the time um uh, who, who were applying at the time like to Oxbridge and I think part of it was that I just got so worked up in my head about the process and about like stats and about how many people get in and what college I should apply to and like what particular books I should list on my personal statement and whether or not I shouldn't apply here because I mentioned this book and that particular tutor who could interview me wrote a criticism of that and it sort of I got stuck down a bit of a rabbit hole I think which is why I think when it came to interviews especially the history interview that I had when I applied the first time I was just so nervous and like struggled to sort of properly get my words out and say what I wanted to say in the way that I wanted to say it so then I think a big part of it when it came to reapplying there's a separate question of like why did I choose to reapply but I'll talk about that talk about that after but when it came to what changed and what was different I think the fact that I was on my gap year um which uh, there's a whole other stigma about whether or not um I I remember really really vividly (laughs) when I told um when I told my grandma who's really really old now and lives with us uh mashallah she when I told her I was going to take a year out of studying before going to university, she just gave me the weirdest look. And I saw her eyebrow just raise. And she was like, <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you going off to sell drugs for a year or something? Yeah. Why are you taking a year out of your studies, you idiot? Um, is what she said to me. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to teach debating in state schools across the country. I promise that's not a euphemism for like selling drugs across yeah. or anything like that. Um, and she was like, like, she wasn't sort of, Superly involved in my like, academic stuff and, and whatever else because um, she just w- wasn't really involved in that side of things. It was mainly my mum and dad and me making decisions and, and talking to them about it. Um, but when it came to um, sort of reapplying and, and being on my gap year, what changed, I think, between the first time and the second time is that I had the chance to kind of leave the bubble of Eton and leave like everybody around me wanting to apply and everybody around me all going for the same thing and there being yeah, like yeah. a sort of bit of a culture of like sort of w- which I think is in, in some ways like quite healthy like your peers wanting you to do well and everybody pushing each other for for things that lots of people want um, but leaving that I think gave me a bit of perspective but also helped me to kind of realize that there's a bigger world out there such that even if it doesn't work out it's not the end of the world and I think that's the big question I ask myself it's it hit me hard like getting rejected the first time like with anything if you want something and you don't get it like you're not you're not going to be happy obviously because if you're if you're happy that you didn't get what you wanted then you probably didn't want it in the first place um but I think given the fact that I wanted it 
And the question I asked myself then was, how would I feel if I got rejected like a second time? And I and I answered that to myself. Um, uh, the, un- the answer for me was not as bad as how I would feel maybe in like 20 years if I question what if I'd gone for it. And it was like the what if. And I'd rather just know kind of thing. And like obviously my life's changed for the better, I think, going to Oxford and, and be- being there now and making the most of all the opportunities there. So, um, yeah, so I think that's that's that you know what i wanted to know about you've mentioned like debating a couple of times now and i'm pretty sure ikra mentioned debating too mm-hmm. like like was that a hobby when did you get into that and yeah um there's this amazing charity called debate me um that i i got into debating through when i was in in year 11 i remember i um was like talking in the back of the classroom or whatever in history and my history teacher was obviously it had to be history um my history teacher was like um instead of you going to detention come back here um like at the end of the school day if you don't come back then you'll like get detention for two days in a row or something come back here and you'll like join the debating class or whatever and it was like a debate mate debating class uh, debate mates uh, an educational charity that teaches debating um and like as a result of that key 21st century skills in state schools across the country um and works with thousands if not tens of thousands of students uh, not just in the uk but also worldwide um and they they ran a program at my at my secondary school um back then so i managed to start debating through that and then spent some time on my gap year working for debate mate um in a way of kind of trying to give back for the same organization that helped me a lot um because i wasn't like in year seven year eight I, I was like a bit of a chatterbox but when it came to like putting my hand up in class and stuff like that i wasn't the most confident person with that so it really helped me to find my confidence in that way so I wanted to do the same for other people and I was really lucky I managed to teach debating in lots and lots of cities um, across the UK um, that I don't think I would have ever had any reason to go to like Nottingham or Leeds um, and managed to also go to countries like I got got to go to Rwanda um, and teach debating there for a month um, on my gap year which is amazing because I'd never been to Africa before um, and it was a great chance to to have a look around um, parts of East Africa as well. Um, but then also managed to go to Beijing um, and, and teach debating there, which is a whole other experience in and of itself being in China. But um, that's a story for another another day. <laughs> another day. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, I think what's, what's really great about it is um, at the same time, was you someone like that was, uh, you did say obviously you was a child box bottom, but at the same time, was you, was you a shy person, would you say, that you was quite quiet at the same time, that like you didn't want all the attention on you? Mm-hmm. Was, was you someone like that? Because... As time goes on, of course, everyone goes through growth. At the end of the day, like, would you someone's a bit more quiet? You go to Eton, a bit, you came out your shell a bit more, and then when you go to to Oxford, it's more like Adam's arrived kind of yeah. thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, I suppose, um, and like, yeah, in a way, perhaps. But I think also, like, I think this might not just be a thing for me that's like unique to me. But I think with lots of people, everybody always wants to think that their life's going in like a better direction in a way, or like going sort of more so the way that they want it. I'd love to like be this big confident character um who has bigger arms than I currently do. <laughs> um and um and and stuff like that. But but I think that's the kind of progression and that's the kind of path that I I want to want to be on. So I, I suppose I think like looking back, I think I've got I've got more confident um as time time's gone on. I haven't stopped saying the words I think and um <laughs> but, but yeah. Yeah. No, but, but that's a great thing, I think. Um, I think that the first time I've seen you, actually, was 
was the ITV interview firstly and I was like okay this is great like I'm not sure he's gonna go into Eater now and this is the so- something great because at the end of the day we, we looked we looked at something in terms of smile when it comes to representation we got like a negative outlook on the media and everything else so I thought this is great this is when it comes to representation this is something that you put us in a positive line like that like, this is great to have so then I think as time went on I was like okay um you know, like, you want to know, or oh, what is he up to now kind of thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was like, okay, uh, surely, like, to him, I haven't seen his name um, come across. I haven't come, I didn't come across your name for quite some time after that. But actually, I did come across, actually, the ISA, uh, ISA Awards, ISA Awards, National Somali Awards. Um, I think it was 2018, right? Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned to you before that, because... Um, I think he was on a table on my left side, right? And uh, I was like, oh, isn't that... Because, you know, it, when you come to the awards, right, you yeah. see so many faces it that are so familiar. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're like, oh, isn't that that person there? Isn't yeah. that that person yeah. there kind of thing? Yeah. And I was like, oh, isn't that that Adam? Yeah. Like, um, and, and because the thing is, once your meals are being served and they've got a couple of things going on, you won't always have time to network. Oh, they actually had a pre-networking event, maybe, right? Yeah, in a room. I think I was probably I late. I think so, yeah. <laughs> there was, there was, a, there was um, I'm not going to be on <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so that, that, must, that makes sense why I didn't catch in that room. Yeah. There's like a pre-network room, right, where everyone comes together and then and they talk and whatnot kind of thing. And I was like, okay, this, this, is, quite, this, this is quite good. And then... um. I saw you across the table, whatnot, but you know it gets busy and and, and everything else. And um, I was like, okay, this this looks quite good. And then then I think I saw you went to Oxford and everything else. So is the question I wanted to say is that um, you being there, for example, is as a Somali person, mm-hmm. um, did it weigh a lot on you being like having to represent us in a certain way, kind of thing? Does that mean that okay, I've got a move in a certain way oh if i if i do something wrong i'm they you know the auntie's minor or uh, whatever that <laughs> might be kind of thing yeah um the uh, funny story something along, along yeah. those lines it's like um <laughs> like growing up when i was at my, at my secondary school back in like year seven year eight maybe i always used to like go play football after school and like most days with my friends and there was this one particular football pitch um in the like center of the the council estate that my secondary school was basically on stroke stroke next to um and my and i'd always come back like later than i would tell my dad i was going to come back um and i'd be like tired and i'd jump on the playstation and then i'd end up going to sleep or whatever until my dad one day was like you're not allowed to play football there anymore every single time you say you're coming back at this time this that and the other so he basically banned me from like playing football at that particular place because it wasn't it wasn't the safest place as well i don't think um and then um one day i was like to him oh yeah i'm gonna go to the library after school blah blah, blah. and when you're younger you think like oh you think you've got the jump on your parents you think <laughs> yeah. your your brain box you're mm-hmm. thinking so many different ways and i told him oh, i'm gonna go to the library and he's like okay cool enjoy the library <laughs> and and then one one of my dad's friends just sees me because it's like um in in south london yeah. on, on old kent road where there's so many somali people just sees me like going down the like alleyway towards the football pitch and then he tells my dad oh i saw him your son and my dad was like oh where was he what time was it um and t- tells my dad i saw him oh going down there he doesn't think anything of it when he's telling my dad this yeah. and then i go home and my dad's like how's the library and i was like it was good and he was like <laughs> you know you know I, walk <laughs> <laughs> I don't know to this day whether or not he did see me but yeah. um, but it worked but, but it worked and it's yeah. this idea like the reason i bring up that story is like it's this feeling of 
what you do is being watched, even if you don't know people yeah. are watch, watching watching mm, what you do. Definitely. And it's and it's not about not doing certain things or being careful of certain stuff or whatever else because you're being watched, but just because it's the right thing to do um, in in like lots of circumstances, I suppose. And I think part of it is like wanting to do good by yourself, like by your mm. family and like by by the people around you. So it's like I don't know. There's a pressure that comes with it of like yeah. people, and I think what sort of like not freaks me out but like what i don't know it's hard to describe like the feeling of it but the feeling of like people you don't know or somebody you might not know like wishing so much good for you yeah. and it's like it's great and you like want to like take it in but then it's also like there's the distance between you and this like this group of maybe a thousand people who comment on one of the one of the thing, articles or whatever they they see about you i remember the other day i saw i think it was maybe you at crew who showed me this like maybe a couple months ago um that that same itv interview was doing the rounds on tiktok and it was getting like tens of thousands of views and really? i was thinking oh, I, no, this I was five years ago and it really creeped Confession, me out i actually haven't seen the interview <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. i don't oh. think it was me i've never actually watched i think it was shakila who uh, oh, um, a friend of ours a friend of ours on tiktok again yeah that's crazy and i thought this is from five years ago you can even see from the graphics that it's just old graphics yeah. but um uh, yeah and uh, I, obviously people want want good news out there especially when unfortunately there isn't that that great new that much great news out there about the somali community like especially when you see like how little news coverage the somali boy who saved that old lady's life and yes. died in the process how yeah, little coverage yeah, he got definitely. and how little like that how li that barely got any airtime on the news but then when an mp was murdered which is obviously like incredibly sad as well um the they the fact that he was somali the, yeah, was, was a headline mm. um whereas when he does when a somali guy does something good it's a man or an unnamed individual so I think it's about like starting to change that narrative, which is why, as much as I might find it a bit creepy that that video is making the rounds on TikTok, if it inspires somebody else to go on and to to ap apply for some some place like Eton or maybe even Oxford and, and whatever else, then it must be difficult though, actually, because it's obviously you from a few years ago. It's yeah. obviously like the perception of you know, like people will see it and have a certain perception of you, and even myself, like I read about you before I met you, and obviously I would have had my own perceptions about you, but I think. That's one of the good things about going to university in of itself is that, you know, you're learning, you're at a very, like, formative age, like 18, mm. 19, 20, 21, 22. Like, those are the ages where you're really learning about yourself. And, and one of the good things maybe about going to university sort of outside of London or outside of where there's a big Somali yeah. community is that actually one thing is people yeah. don't actually know, like, outside, like, a lot of people who, because you, when you go to university, you meet a lot of people, especially at a university like Oxford or Cambridge, you meet a lot of people that haven't been around a lot of ethnic minorities all their life. So they couldn't actually tell you what a Somali person it looks like. They couldn't tell you what, you know, yes. and uh, for a lot of people mm. I met, I was the first Muslim that, me or the other girl in my year, <laughs> were the first <laughs> Muslims that they'd ever met or like, you know, I like or even like the first like black people they've ever properly spoken to. Um, I had people and I was shocked. Like people would tell me this like a year into our friendship, they'd be like, "Yeah, like I actually don't know any other, you know, like people who are Muslim or like Muslim women specifically." So I think one thing is like one of the difficulties is you very much write the narrative of what they yes, now understand as like a Muslim woman or yeah. like oh like and actually you like I think. Like as a as a woman, as like being Muslim and like obviously being black, like I think one thing I notice is like people's like people project onto you like their own mm -hmm. stereotypes. So like 
me and the other girl in my year who were Muslim, like I would say neither of us were particularly quiet. Yeah. <laughs> and we were, you know, very both very sociable. But I think um there was like this perception around us that we were like quite quiet or submissive or like just you know like, I think submissive. people like no, 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 <laughs> like as in, I think people uh, like projected what they thought a Muslim woman would be yeah. like onto us. If not that, opposite. Yeah. Like I had I had someone tell me before they met me they thought I'd be sassy and I was like what does that mean like <laughs> I was like excuse me I mean they weren't from England so I'll let that slide but like, I was like <laughs> like I was not like I was not impressed so it's like that kind of thing where like I think that's one of the difficulties but actually because yeah. there aren't that many Somali people <coughs> and uh, actually because like often like it's a small community and even like the black community it's a small community I think there's a very little judgment and there's a lot of like support because you're all in quite a difficult situation together um, and I think that's one of the the, the great things about maybe like going to a uni where there isn't a lot of you is that you actually very quickly become very well acquainted and like the pressures but then again just, yeah but then then again this, this goes out to you and this can go out to you too um since you went to oxford um you being somali for example did you embrace that because some people depending on the situation or wherever they are they might not uh, embrace that they're like you know what I don't want to even speak about that or you know I don't want people to feel like I'm from there they can guess anything else but as long as I don't bring it up yeah. they won't know where I'm from because of the particular stereotypes that I'm I don't think either of us straight away we were talking Somali in front of people exactly. that couldn't yeah. understand yeah. it just yeah. to annoy them like yeah. I think I think for us yeah I think it's fair to say that like neither of us particularly but having said that it's also not like um, it's not a badge that we wear like you know like it's for those people, it's very visible that you're black or it's very mm -hmm. visible that you're Muslim, but it's not necessarily visible that you're Somali. And like where it comes up, it will be a big, mm. you know, a big thing. Like of, obviously amongst like ACS and stuff, they'll know, like they know what a Somali person looks yeah. like compared to ACS them. being the African Caribbean, uh, Caribbean yeah, yeah, society. So amongst yeah. black people, they'll mm. know that you're Somali, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But like, I don't think either of us, I think it was, I think almost it was because of the fact that it was the reason why we reached out to each other. It's the reason why I knew Adam was exactly. because he, purely because he was Somali. Yeah. I don't think it was ever a thing for us where it was like, oh, like, Awkwardness, let's be, exactly, yeah, let's yeah. be like a bit conscious about yeah. it. Uh, and if anything, I think sort of the white people we were surrounded by were, were, were mostly quite nice and inquisitive. Like they wanted to know, they want to know exactly. about your culture and your food. They want to eat all your food. Like, yeah, they, they, do, they yeah. like, they and they want to know the words. Like, you know, like it's very, like yeah. most of the people you meet yeah. are like excited to embrace that, I think, yeah. and, and like that. So I don't think we ever felt, uh, speaking for you. No, I agree, yeah. I agree with Any you. Any pressure uh -huh. to like hide the fact no, that. No, I 100% agree with you. Like, um, and I think literally what you touched on that, Chris, is like, I think, uh, I think spot on, like the idea or like, being Somali is just such a unique thing as well because it's an intersection of so many different identities mm -hmm. like being Muslim, being black, like looking like you're black and like being seen to be Muslim if you're like wearing a headscarf and, and mm -hmm. stuff as well. So like it, it's just a really unique like intersection of so many different identities that it itself is like kind of, it's it's difficult to place it um, like within that but also not anything that either of us were were ever ashamed of like being unapologetically so because it just did like I there are two other Somali girls like across the university in my year and I met them both like like just like offhandedly on the street and mm. based purely on the fact that they were Somali and they could see I was Somali we spoke mm. to each other like <laughs> and it was like purely just off of that and I think not many other people 
have the uniqueness of of, of that experience. I mean, like there are like I have a Japanese friend at uni who also is like very heavily involved in like Japanese society and would do a very similar thing, but like I've never seen it to the extent of Somali yeah. people. <laughs> like Somali I've never OCT seen with it. The, yeah. the only thing the only thing I can think of is like, you know, obviously when you're you know the black person sees a black person they, they yeah, yeah, yeah no, no. No. <laughs> or like Muslim girl to Muslim girl will do it as well like when you're the only two Muslim yeah. women in a room gravitating towards some, each other but then again in some corporate spaces when literally you come across another black person they're like you get, you get that you get that kind of vibe of yes we're both black but that doesn't mean anything like don't come kind of near me t- do you know what I mean yeah. like so get so out get yeah, out film type exactly vibes, it's yeah. literally that so yeah. whereas if you, if you and I and I know, yeah, this would definitely be it. But if you see another Somali in a corporate space, whatever else that might be, there's like this um, unspoken rule where you know, literally, the Somali would just be so hard where it overrides anything, mm. kind of thing. Yeah. So it comes to a point where, yeah, it doesn't matter. How can I help you? Like, what it's do you because need? we're so distinctive like, looking. Like it's yeah, so clear but you want someone. It. But then again, it's like Adam said. Um, I think. It was Adam that said it. like you want to see each other win mm-hmm. exactly thing. Yeah. and and that's exactly what it is like you you wish the best for each other yeah. so that's exactly where it comes across so if I see an old person like a Somalian whether uh, the workspace whatever that might be it's like how can I help you like what can yeah, I yeah, do yeah, for yeah. you mm-hmm. rather than how can you benefit me kind exactly. of thing and I think that's what made it easier for you to for 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 you to kind of reach out to him kind of thing because you could have easily said you know what oh this is the kid that went to eat and for example he's going to be a bit maybe snobby or whatever let me not do that but you said no he's Somali I'm Somali exactly. that's going to override everything exactly. forget about yeah. it do you know what I mean kind of thing I did vet him first alright fair enough <laughs> let's not get crazy let's not get crazy now joking <laughs> no, no. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think it is 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 like the Somalima aspect, and you'll find even at uni, like even people that aren't necessarily like yeah. traditionally what you would expect of like Somali people, or like what like in London like have the same, even they like when they meet you, like it's yeah. like no matter what experience they've had as a Somali person, whatever the fact that you're Somali, it comes up within two seconds, and they're very much like wanting to speak to you because of that very reason, and like and I found it surprising that even like those. People that I would have thought stereotypically weren't very like the smart people I know at home. Even they cling on to it, like really cling on to it as an yeah. identity. And and I think that's like really nice. Like it's yeah, really yeah, sad yeah. to think that there are people who have to like hide that part of themselves mm. or like hide something in order to fit in. Like I don't even think it's something to look, to be like angry about. It's like, I'm sorry that you've had to have an, you've clearly had experiences in your life that have made yeah, you have to hide yeah. certain things, which is like very sad. But I think that's one lucky thing where like, I think at it's uni. probably quite rare, I'd say, when mm. it comes to Somalis, anyways, because we're quite loud. Yeah. Like, yeah. And 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 I think the best way to put it is if if we just put ourselves out of it, kind of thing, saying, okay, like if someone was to look in and say, what are Somalis like when they're together? We're quite a loud bunch. Mm-hmm. Like we're really we'll like, hit, hit yeah, literally. So <laughs> exactly, that's exactly how we are. Yeah. Literally, we're loud as it is, and you know, um, but I think at the same time, it's a good thing. Cause we're quite confident when it comes to it. Like, um, we're not really, yeah, we don't really need to question ourselves. Kind of, we're really confident within ourselves, yeah. and I think that's a, a really, yeah, that's a good thing to have. And it's one of the things that people at uni should definitely look to like seek out, like some like Somali groups and societies and things yeah, like that. Yeah, that's definitely. It does, yeah, 
it definitely provides a different kind of support network especially if you've gone to university outside of london like i think that's a i think it's quite a different experience because in london there are a lot like i have a lot of friends at london universities there's loads of somali people so it isn't like you have to you don't have to necessarily go looking there's only really like you know this mm. societies are massive and established um but outside of london like i think it, it provides a really good support system and network for people um and not just in terms of like the experience yeah. in terms of moving forward like your future like things like careers and stuff like that people are very very willing and wanting to sort of help out which is which is nice and like it's always nice to have that kind of solidarity like it, moving forward you know outside of outside of uni and the people you meet like the smart people i met at uni are still very much some of my closest friends so it's always a, a nice a nice thing to hold on to I think when you've done the interview, for example, it was 2016, around that time, right? Yeah. So the Somalis around status, wherever we were at that time, 2016, is a lot different to 2021. Yeah. A lot of things have changed. A lot of things. Yeah, a lot of things have changed, right? So I think even 2016, 2015, I honestly didn't think there was even that many Somali. There was a big Somali community even in Brixton or South itself, mm. other than maybe... Um, um, Wandsworth, forever around that um, southwest and that. So, what's it like? For example, you're a young small boy, still from uh, Brixton, mm -hmm. kind of thing. If if you still, of yeah. course, you must be proud of that. At the same time, kind of community wise, and do do a lot of smiles reference you, kind of thing. The local community, for example, do they try to reach out to your family? And say, okay, my kid's really bright. Can Adam maybe you know? To help them out with some things and whatnot. Like, um, I th I think in the age of like social media as well, th just the word community has like an entirely different meaning in some I ways. Think so yeah. And uh, and I've like had people like reach out to me randomly on like Facebook or Instagram or whatever else. And I've always like if some especially like Somali people um and send me message requests like asking for help on a particular personal statement because they're applying for for this particular university and they think I, I, I could help and I'm always keen to help like when, whenever I can if I'm able to and if I've got the time and I think that's what at least in my head like the idea of community is is quite a different different thing um and like we've got neighbors and stuff who are Somali like a, a few doors down who we're, we're really close with um and I'm yeah always happy to help and stuff so that's actually really good yeah so who's like um like I know you mentioned the teacher earlier like but who's helped you like throughout your journey like do you have any mentors or anybody that you go to like for any kind of like navigating yeah um I think first and foremost like my parents um yeah. they always give really good advice and I'm like really grateful for everything that they've they've done for me um I do have a few mentors like people who um have done like cool things from like law to like politics and and stuff who I ask advice of um and especially if I'm like facing a difficult decision about something or I'm not sure whether or not to apply for something and I think like part of it is like sometimes when like everybody sometimes like suffers from like low self-esteem in certain circumstances or not backing themselves as much as they they should yeah. back themselves um and sometimes backing yourself too much um but I think like it's it's always useful to have people around you who ground you but also um like encourage you to to take a leap and and to to do the things that you know you can do and you want to probably deep down but you just need somebody to kind of push you yeah. um and and I think I've always found it really useful like hearing how other people see certain situations or like see um like 
decisions that I've made and w- what decisions I have open to me. Um, and it goes back to like, I think in part me being inquisitive, but also curious, but also like wanting to learn myself and do better and be better. Um, which is why, yeah, yeah, I think uh, like mentorship is re- something that's really, really important. And also um, as like a last thing on that, it's it's this idea of like paying it, like for them, at least for like mentors, it's like paying it back because lots of people who are mentors and like give advice to people yeah. um, have had people who have done similar things for them. And I think with mentorship, the thing is, is that like, even if you don't know it, everyone's probably a mentor to somebody else in one way or another, whether or not it's your younger brother asking you whether or not they like should go to Morley's and like get chicken and chips, even yeah. though there's a whole Dixie full of buddies. Yeah. And, and it's, it's decisions like that, yeah. whether, however, however big they might seem to, to different people that, um, I, th- I think are uh, uh, quite important um, and help shape people. So I think everybody's mentoring somebody um, at some point, or multiple people. Um, as cheesy or cringy as that sounds, but no, I think that's quite important. Definitely. Yeah, I think, and also I think it's, it's a big sentiment across. Like you'll meet a lot of people, a lot of students as well, especially like across that sort of at the at the you know sort of certain universities and stuff like that who find it's mm. a really big part of like actually like. Of the fact that they got in, it's like a really big part of it is giving back because someone took the time to teach you and to help you and to make you understand quite complicated application processes and give you advice and and so I think a big part of like everyone I knew who was sort of ethnic minority or from a poor background at Oxford was very much involved in making it accessible Mm. for more people, um, which I think is also always like a a big Mm. like a really nice thing and that is one thing if anyone is thinking about applying or has questions like even messaging any of the some Somali society yeah. like um pages on all the social media or even like individually reaching out to people who do a subject like no one will ever say no or like if they did and it would only ever be out of time commitments and they would direct you elsewhere to get the resources mm-hmm. and i mean that's part of that is what sort of adam said is that someone did it for you so you feel like you have to then exactly do it for someone it's else. about not pulling up the yeah, ladder yeah 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 it's also almost a cycle actually like you see yeah. it when you're at uni and stuff it's like first year second year people are really really excited yeah. to get involved in things like that and then by third year you, you've got exams you're tired <laughs> but the next lot will come up but the ones you helped get in are there exactly. now i yeah, think like definitely. we both we can both give examples of people we've helped out like with applications and they've ended up like at uni exactly, and it's yeah. like it's such a nice feeling to know that like you know that they're there partly because of your help obviously not completely like but like as in partly <laughs> like because of, of help yeah. you gave them which is always always yeah. a very nice feeling but just on that so obviously you know one of the things why I like wanted you particularly on the podcast and one of the things why I think you're really impressive is because of part of your curious nature is that you've done loads of really cool things and part of that is like being president of the Oxford Union yeah um which for those people that don't know like Adam was explained much better but like it's like a a pr- like uh it's, it's it's not i don't know if it is actually can i don't think it is connected to the uni as per se but it's it's where yeah. it's like yeah it's yeah, like it's, a, a it's a, sort of like a society yeah. or a chamber that you can join um but uh they have lots of incredible speakers that come year on year term on term um and there are incredible debates on there um and you know it's worth checking out like your oxford union on youtube and stuff mm. um because it's you know it, like literally everyone you can think of yeah, any definitely. celebrity you can think mm. of 
actor to politician, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, all the yeah. way to like presidents of of, yeah. of, 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 of I think a football even came there. Vanistroy mm. done it right yeah. one time. I don't even know if footballers come and do that. Because I thought it was just things like uh Media Sam, for example, like when he done head to head there, for example, a couple of times. I thought okay, maybe it's just um, to do with maybe politics or anything else. Because someone I cast, for example, that don't really tune into these kind of things, right? And we're just on the outside kind of thing. But when we um, type in a name, for example, the Oxford, yeah. um, literally it just pops up to us kind of thing. So we was like, and I saw Vanish there. I'm thinking, what is he doing? And I, it, there's like, not um, Alex Ferguson also. I think Alex Ferguson done it. Yeah. I think it's Petr Cech. Better check done it too. There, yeah, yeah. Um, and like lots, of, lots of really, really interesting like football personalities. And um, even in the sort of uni, like it's very much like a, a, a position of big like thing prestige. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, purely just because of the access you have to, you know, people, <laughs> people want the access to these yeah. big <laughs> celebrities that are coming. You know, you want to get a meet and greet with them, so you can make buddy buddy. But yeah. even, even within like the university, it's a, it's a really like prestigious, yeah. you know, like position. You know, Adam will talk about some of the responsibilities, but you do have to take yeah. a year out in order to even fulfill the position yeah, that's um, crazy, yeah. yeah and so it's 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 a very difficult like position to hold it's a lot of power it's a lot of responsibility but also it's produced you know some of some of the like several of this these kind like this country's prime ministers have been b- before they were prime ministers were you know presidents of the oxford union or at least involved in the oxford union in some way um, not saying we have our future, <laughs> but I am God saying, forbid, yeah. you know, like you know, like the opportunities and what people learn from that position is almost so unique that I thought mm. it'd be really cool to have Adam sort of talk about that. Yeah. Um, so in terms of you, you got it spot on in terms of like background to what it is. Um, in terms of like whether or not it's connected to the university. So bit of background on on the Oxford Union. It was founded almost um, two hundred years ago, in the eighteen twenties. And it started off basically, uh, basically at that time in Oxford, um, a lot of what people studied was like about religion and about um, theology. Um, So like basically Christianity in in some ways, but also like Latin, Greek um, and subjects like that. Um, And the university itself restricted debate and conversation on certain topics around like religious freedoms because they didn't want people questioning certain things. Um, and there were a group of students who were fed up with that. So what they did is they created the Oxford Union um, Society, which is basically a society where they could discuss things that they weren't allowed to discuss in their classrooms or with their professors or with their teachers and tutors um, or people in their in their, um, in their colleges ac- across the university. So that's kind of what it started off as, like a, a place for freedom of speech, for difficult topics to be discussed with nuance, but also um, with respect to, to one another and, and stuff like that. And it, as the years have gone by, um, it's evolved into um, one of the world's most prestigious debating societies, um, holds regular Thursday night debates um, throughout term time, um, and has hosted figures from the Dalai Lama to Mother Teresa to Malcolm X to US presidents, as it was said, to Alex Ferguson and yeah. top football managers and footballers and uh, Michael Jackson. Uh, he's, you can't, probably can't say Michael Jackson anymore, actually. Um, but um, <laughs> well, that's <laughs> been there. Or, 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 uh, moving swiftly <laughs> on. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, um, and and um, lots of really interesting interesting people, um, and its past presidents have included people like Boris Johnson, the current current yeah. prime minister, um, and who else? Um, and a few other like interesting people. Um, and yeah, it was a great opportunity to to be able to be part of that space 
big commitment. Um, like you say, I had to take a year out. Um, but I was really fortunate because during my term, I got to get um, speakers from Jeremy Corbyn to Dick and Dom, um, which lots of people recognise from, from their childhood. Yeah, <laughs> from Dick and Dom in the bungalow. Um, and yeah, it was just really magical being able to be the one interviewing those people um, and the amount of pressure on you when you have uh, a kind of packed debating chamber with like yeah. hundreds of people all watching you waiting to laugh if you slip up as you're asking one of the questions yeah. or in their head probably as I would probably do if I was sat in their seat criticizing why I asked that particular question that mm. way and I'd spent ages before thinking about how to word each question and like not to go on for too long because they're not here to listen to me they're here to listen to the speaker and, and everything else so um, which is why I think it's quite interesting. Like, stroke fun. Me now being on the on the opposite side of the of the Talk interview away. table Talk now. Away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was honestly like a great great opportunity and really life changing, especially um, being able to do it as somebody who is black, who is Somali, being the first Somali to to be an officer of the Oxford Union, let alone president, and and to be, I think, probably the the third or fourth black president. Um, the last one being. Uh, Sam Jima in the 90s um, so the the first black president of so what, this, this millennium the last person in the 90s the last black person yeah which another thing which is crazy when they set up about 200 years ago they would never foresee like a yeah. Somali for example taking it over <laughs> I think at that time probably they were prepping themselves to probably come over to to our shores probably to <laughs> get a crack at them but yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean and then they, really they're saying literally oh what Somali but mm. and again this is, this is a great achievement um, for, for for someone like um, me and Ivan, who, of course, didn't attend Oxford, for us to know um, that you've taken a position um, at the Oxford Union, which is a, a great feat. Um, and, yeah, no, honestly... Um, it's a think it's a really big deal, isn't it? Like I think yeah, we're like literally, I think we're just glossing I'm, over it a little I'm bit. I'm saying like head things like head to head just for people to relate to it. But this is a real big thing. Like you said, you took a year out mm. and this is a major commitment. Yeah. So when you have so many different speakers that come on, right, you've got to do so much preparations for yeah. it and we wouldn't even imagine what kind of how, how much preparation yeah. goes into and it's, it. It's literally because a lot of it is so like focused on the next term. So even yeah. though you have to take a year out, you're there are three terms in, in the academic year. You technically are only it for two terms. So you're only president for one term, and, and the term before that, you're president-elect. When you're president-elect, you spend that time trying to prepare for your term, but it's difficult because the then-president is trying to make sure their term runs smoothly oh, and they yeah, have yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. So then you have the holiday just before your term begins to get together what, they, what people call your term card, which is... Um, basically uh just all the events that you're gonna the have the calendar of all the events, all yeah. the events. Yeah. and there's always so much pressure to like get headline names yeah. agreeing to come and you give them like a month two months three months notice if you're lucky yeah. trying to get them to confirm trying to get them to agree to come and then create this in the end uh mine was a uh, just over 100 page booklet with all of the events all the panels um yeah. i think we had something like eight panels um each with about four or five speakers um ranging from topics from uh testing myself now um from like climate change to cryptocurrency and and to, to lots of topics around that um and like had eight ha i had 10 debates in the end um which was more than any other term and organizing social events as well mm -hmm. from like karaoke nights to whatever else to try and get people in and around the buildings such that they get involved in the space and they come to the debating workshops as well and trying to push the debating workshops. 
And then I had something like 50 or 60 individual speakers come like throughout the term. And it's full on and it's tiring because you go yeah. from, I remember one day I had like three interviews, I think maybe all on the same day. One of them was like a pre-recorded one. And like you go from doing like a like one hour interview with somebody, mm-hmm. you have literally like a 30 minute break. You then jump straight into the next one and then you have to get dressed like properly, not just like top half mm. um, and put on a full proper suit with yeah. a tie and every everything and then do one in front of people. And it's just, it's physically exhausting. Um, needing to smile, semi-smile for like an hour straight, even though what the people are saying is really interesting and really enjoyable, but it, it, it really does drain you. But I think looking back at it, I'm really grateful and really happy that I had the opportunity to do that. Because it opens you up to, to, to so many different people as well because like we were talking about earlier on going into things with an open mind never knowing what could happen definitely yeah but being willing to take things as as they come i think it is Mm. i think one of the one of the biggest things i didn't i didn't appreciate before because obviously i'd i'd I'd, you know i did i knew of the union i was member but was not at all involved in any of the politics of it all i think the one thing i didn't realize until i had to see adam doing it was like it's like a proper job and you're responsible for an entire because you're also responsible there are like staff employed to these like to these places you know like there are staff that help run everything and and there's a whole network and you are like the student representative but also like you have an actual job like you you have actual responsibilities and people to oversee you are like a manager Um, and it's like yeah it's crazy and also not even just that like outside of it to even get elected you know that the 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 level of time commitment you have to put in is ridiculous like you have to be there during holidays um willing to work with very little <laughs> compensation yeah, for any, your yeah. yeah if any for like yeah. your 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 board and like you're eating like what you eat and stuff so it's like i think i didn't appreciate i think that's one thing people don't appreciate is you know you see the end result and if, if i hadn't known like adam personally i wouldn't have known any of the the level of work because they do make it look quite smooth yeah <laughs> but like there is essentially an event on almost like every day if not every other day whether that's social or, or, or not and often the like the president of the unit has to be there at all of these events um and like manage a lot of students a yeah. lot of internal politics mm. you know and it, and it is really really impressive that you were you were able to do yeah. he was looking tired by the end i have to say i was i was yeah. i was feeling bad by the end yeah. um but it's really cool and like what would what would you say for you was like the highlight experience of the whole the whole thing that's a really good question. Um, wow. There was just like lots of different highlights. I think like when it comes to speaker events, um, one of the one of the like uh, there were a few like speaker events that like three in particular that really stood out to me. I'll tell you about them. Um, there, I had like a lot of other highlights as well from like the amount of people who joined whilst I was president, the amount of engagement we had with um, societies across um, across the university who before didn't want anything to do with us whatsoever. And like in any previous term, if one society collaborated with the union, we'd be kind of lucky. Um, and in my term, I was really lucky. We had 15, 16 different societies who collaborated with us on different panel events and different projects that we ran from the chess club when we managed to get the world number one chess player called Magnus Carlsen um, to, to talk. Um, very popular event. And it was a really popular <laughs> At event. At University, everyone loves chess. <laughs> yeah. It's a very popular um, event. Which is a bit embarrassing because I can barely play chess myself. <laughs> but he didn't know himself that I could, I could, I could really play chess. Which is, unless which unless is they bring out the board. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> it would have been a bit yeah. um, And 
yeah, before then I was like practicing like how to pronounce like all of the names of like other chess players yeah. that were in the questions and stuff that I was like preparing to make sure I didn't fall flat on my face. And <laughs> um, but but the three speaker events in particular that really stood out as like highlights. Um, I'll like go in order of like the order in which they happened. Um, the first was um, Dr. Bernard La- Bernard Lafayette Jr., who was uh, who is um, a, an African American um, civil rights activist, um, but also really big, uh, still currently in in activism in America, and does lots of lots of other things as well. And I think is a doctor at Stanford too. Um, he's incredibly interesting. He was on the lots of the people watching might have seen the film Selma. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. He was one of the people who marched um, arm in arm with Martin Luther King Jr. Was wow. best buds with him, um, and worked really, really closely with him on a lot of like civil rights yeah. activism in, in the sixties and fifties and before um, in, in America. So he was incredibly interesting. And like towards the end of the interview, his wife just like pops her head on the Zoom because it was on this particular interview was on Zoom. Um, and pops her head and like he he just stops in mid answer and this really really sweet old guy like says oh and this is my wife um, and and then she waves at the camera and she's like oh lovely to meet you Adam um, and it's just like waving and really smiley and just the stories that he'd had of everything that he'd accomplished yeah. the warmth that I got from him even on Zoom it was just it was just quite Pretty breathtaking probably yeah, um, yeah which is great the second one mm-hmm. was um, a woman called Eva Sh- uh, Eva Schloss who um is a survivor of Auschwitz um and she gave this really really um like really emotional and like kind of deeply upsetting it was an in-person event and there were hundreds of people in in the in, in the debating chamber there to listen to her about um what life was like in in um the concentration camps um during Nazi Germany um and her experience then and everything that she's done since then and the books that she's written. And like before I thought it might have been in a Q&A and I'd prepared some questions in case, but she hadn't, I hadn't like had that clear an indication of what exactly she was gonna gonna say. And we set it up such that it was me sat alongside her um, in a like typical interview sort of set up. Um, and she was like, no, I'm just happy to happy to talk for talk for an hour and like give her testimony and it was just really difficult being set up there hearing all of these stories and not like physically being like looking visibly like so visibly up uh, like upset about it um and and I think that's something that I found quite eye-opening and the third was being able to interview Jeremy Corbyn as well to another like really packed audience um and speak to him about lots of different issues um and, and all the work that he's done in politics. I think that was that was really interesting. Um, so yeah, there were lots of highlights. But I think like above all else, it was just the experience and how much more well rounded. Sorry, I'm rambling a bit, but. Um, so what would you say was your key sort of takeaway from that whole experience? Like what's like the biggest lesson you'd say you learned? That's a really good question. Um, do you want to come back to me? I, actually, you know what? Um, what I would say is that one of the key takeaways from it is being able to like I don't know one of the things that became really important to me off the back of it is being confident in yourself but not overly confident and seeing that fine line but also at the same time not letting things go to your head if like something works out but at the same time on the flip side not letting things get you too far down if something doesn't work out and thinking that I don't know in a nutshell I think my key takeaway is just because one door closes or opens doesn't necessarily mean that other doors won't open. Um, 
No, yeah, that's so and just to say like one like because you know for Adam in this position, I think one thing that won't be highlighted as much as like that you know the union was itself getting quite a lot of um attention before not necessarily for positive reasons particularly to do with like a couple of like racist incidents and actually like you know i think this is one of the things that happens behind the scenes is that like adam was able to do so much for like helping internally in terms of like the structures in place to sort of stop that kind of behavior and like i would personally say it did have an impact because even now you know like um, one of the sort of future elected to be elected presidents is another like, black man so it's like you know like perceptions are changing of of, of yeah. the place and it's it's becoming a, a more inclusive space which is really nice so like one thing i want to know as your friend is is like what for you is like what do you think is next do you know like no pressure if you don't yeah. know but like um, what do you want to do i mean what's what's immediately next is um finish my degree hopefully um get do final year <laughs> good get, luck <laughs> yeah do sure. well in it fingers crossed um i think probably what i want to do there's lots of different things i want to do throughout my life but hopefully maybe straight after my degree um hopefully do a master's in like african studies in particular go into some kind of academia study somali history in particular um and because i think history is something that's really important um the way stories are told the way narratives are told still has an impact today um, on lots of different people's day-to-day lives so I think that's something that I want to get involved in um, in terms of beginning to change the narrative something that we've we've touched on throughout this thank you so much for that Adam thank you for all your help today. yeah thank you for coming on man hopefully like this episode here will you know like inspire you know like young Somalis and just young people in general to um, you know like try and aim to go in for you know like to establishments like Eton and and Oxford University, because uh, obviously you're the second, you're the second, you know, Oxford student, and you're gonna graduate soon to be on the podcast. That's two Somalis. That is something to really celebrate. That already say something. No, no, definitely that you highlighted that. But at the same time, it's like um, having someone like Adam on, which is you know really thankful again for for literally, um for for coming on um this pod today because at the same time not long ago three months ago i think you had jeremy corbyn literally that <laughs> on the other side so um having having yourself on it is it just once again it just shows that um you know um the positive aspect of someone is like it's not of course not echoed as much as the negative publications that's probably out there but at the same time it just shows that um, like I said, the narratives are changing. Hundred So, uh, bit by bit, that we, you know, we all got a part to play in that. So, no, thanks. And again, thanks for coming on today. Really appreciate that. Thank, thank you. Man. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing. Um, and, and so, um, where can people find uh, like the videos of um, like you and Julian Recorvin and that? Um, so, if you want to see any of the interviews that I've done with the Oxford Union, um, you can go on to the Oxford Union's website. Um, and or you sorry YouTube channel um and all of the videos should be should be on there. Do, can I tag the videos like underneath this? Um, yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Well worth yeah. watching. Yeah, well, well worth. Watching. Yeah, no, like definitely. like comment and subscribe. No, like comment, subscribe. <laughs> Leave positive <laughs> comments. Positive, <laughs> positive <laughs> comments. Positive <laughs> comments. Yeah, no, definitely. So, yeah, no, right. once again, thanks for having me on. Thank Cheers. You. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks.